0: all right gang it is that time of the week i am stoked to be here with you this is dave littlejohn host of the true well show on this is the best tuesday you have had all week mm-hmm. in studio with me as mostly
1: yes matt dixon yeah
0: I, I would say always except for the times when sometimes i'm not in studio
1: yeah and then i'm here and then it's like
0: great matt's anchoring good job mm-hmm.
1: i like it so you know what i don't like though um, All the wildfire smoke. Because no, I'm not a fan. In I'm the not heat. A fan. It's hot. It's smoky outside.
0: I will say Oof. this. I had some advice from a friend of mine, and I think this is really good advice. Walk outside for a minute. Really soak in the misery index. And then remember, sometime in January when it's dark... And cold and rainy and nasty
1: you'll wish that it was you
0: were complaining about the heat yeah <laughs> so. it's days like
1: today where you're happy to have a desk job right where it's yeah. like oh man
0: it's it's really something i mean i i know here's an interesting one right it's it's hot enough that it may not be a good idea to open your windows at night yeah right so if you do not have air conditioner you are suffering
1: Oh, okay, definitely, like you
0: are suffering, and I realize that this is kind of the week, probably. Like it seems like once a year we get like that week in August, and I mm-hmm. think we're there. Yeah, so this is are, the
1: week of misery.
0: Yeah, we are cresting right now on the thermometer, and likely starting next week we'll start that downward slide, and within about eight weeks, and certainly if uh, Mother Nature has a sense of irony and humor, we'll be raining by Halloween hmm. Right. So there you go. And if, if you think about that, that's about 10 weeks from now.
1: That's going to, you know, be here before you know it. Yeah, so it,
0: it, it goes really quickly. I mean, we are talking back to school time is coming right around the corner. Mm-hmm. We've got Labor Day right around the corner and it will be a full political swing getting rolling here pretty quick. We're going to start seeing the ads uh, start running again pretty soon as uh, we, we go into 2024, which is an election year.
1: It's As crazy much. to think that we're already in an election year. It doesn't seem like it's been that long since we like had our last... we are last... always
0: in an election year. It's uh, yeah. like, I am constantly surprised. Like, did I just get another ballot in the mail? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we voting for this time? I don't know. So, yeah. of, oh, it's a, you know, some kind of measure to do this, that, or other. And I'm like, it's going to take a heck of a lot to convince me to say yes to anything. Right. You know, at this point. Like, you know what's a great idea? More government.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, because we're doing such a bang-up job with it right now. I digress quickly.
1: Well, David, I think you got something really cool for the show today. You were talking about maybe busting out some different segments. What do you got lined up for us today? So,
0: here's what I want to do, Matt. I would like us to migrate a little bit more towards programming. All right. All right. This is fancy radio terminology here. Okay. And it's the idea that for a lot of our listeners, they don't get to listen to the whole show uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. They get little chunks. Yeah, they get chunks of it. And so it's less useful for us to talk for an hour on the radio, broken up by commercials, about a thing. Because if you're just you sometimes join it in an opportune time yeah so instead what we're going to try to do is break this apart into things that maybe mean a little bit more and if you're a podcast listener you can break it into chunks even for your your, right
1: so you can have a big takeaway in only like 15 minutes of time yeah so we're going
0: to try to do that so we're going to do this by segment because as you know there are obscene profit breaks required at the station uh but one of the so here's the themes that we want to start with today our first segment, we're gonna talk a little bit about. Big surprise, but what's in the news? Like and, what's driving the narrative out there?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think as investors, um, we're always seeing the markets, right? So maybe not a lot catches us off guard because we're always in it. But today I went to the Google machine and I said, you know, stock market news, you know, what's new? Um, I and found- And what
0: it, is trending? And it is trending, right? I got text it is. from people this morning.
1: Yeah, uh, Michael, uh, burry the guy that's famous for the movie the big short well Uh,
0: I think because he was like that was the big short was about what he did in the 2008 housing crisis and how Mm -hmm. he positioned himself opposite the market and made a fortune right you know so and so now billionaire Michael burry
1: right and he has his own hedge fund right I believe I I believe yeah um but yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about what he did today that was so um, well, news funny. catching?
0: I didn't dig into it much. I yeah. just got the headline, which is that he shorted the market to the tune of about $1.5 billion.
1: Right. And so,
0: which is actually not a giant short in the market, but mm-hmm. it is a giant individual position. Right, for like, him. For, like if you're a person and you're a billionaire and you take 90% of your net worth and go against the market. Yeah. That's a big bet. And in
1: this case, that's exactly what it was. It was 90% of his portfolio that he said, I'm betting the whole, you know, the whole bag here that the market's going to go lower. Now,
0: it's really interesting because there's some things are going to come up in our other segments that will sort of echo back to this. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think that that's a huge thing going on here let me let me throw another observation that is i've got one too i've got another observation. oh go on go oh on.
1: well so if we go back to january he had a really vague tweet that said and all it was um was sell that's all he posted sell and if you go back and look at where were we in january to where are we today the markets have had a huge lift since yes, january they and so just because he was right once we've talked about this on the show before oh
0: man it's there's a huge survivorship bias Mm -hmm. in analysts right the the people that guess right and and you got to figure like like, as an example this is what makes elon musk so remarkable right is Mm -hmm. he had so many double down wins or triple down or 10x down win right so oh started my first company sold it for a profit took the profits all into another company, sold it for mega profits. Took the mega profits, it all into another company, sold it for mega, mega, mega profits, and now he's a bazillionaire. Right, right. And you're like, well, gosh, does the guy lose? Mm-hmm. Right. But if you consider for a moment that out of the however many billions of people, like somebody wins the lottery. Yep. And so somebody ran the gauntlet and didn't get touched. Well, and in like... this case, apparently it was Elon Musk. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe, maybe now that's changing, right? Who knows?
1: Right. And I, I look at this guy and I say, okay, he made one really good call right. and it made him really, really rich.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He could have some data behind the scenes that is absolutely powerful data that in all of his signals could point to where we do get a pullback. Yeah. But the reality is the market doesn't care because yes. what about greed? What if people don't wanna sell? What if there is an enormous amount of greed in the market and it pushes it even higher right. from here, it's and he loses it all, even though his data was great.
0: Exactly, data doesn't, doesn't force the market's hand. No, right? The it gives you a best guess as the markets will move. Mm-hmm. Right? It's this mass psychology, and data doesn't do it. No. Okay. It helps. It gives you an indication, but yeah, the survivorship bias concept is, you know, you have a hundred analysts. Mm-hmm. and 50 of them make a call that the market goes up, and 50 of them make a call that the market goes down. And then that market does what it does, and half of those were wrong. We now about... you have 50 analysts left, and yeah. 25 of them say the market's going to go up, and 25 say the market's going to go down. And there's 25 left because the market does what it does. Right. And you, you you keep whittling it down until, well, this one person made a whole bunch of money because they've made six calls in a row. you know, But was it because the call was prophetic? Mm-hmm. or because they just were the ones that got the sequence of returns right.
1: Right. And Because
0: the, it's you're only as good as your next call. And what we've established is data does not compel markets to do anything. It's just a reflection of what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked about black swan type events before mm-hmm. where something that you did not see coming, something random pops up and it alters the entire course of the markets.
0: Right. I mean, like, as an example
2: Mm
0: -hmm. i mean let me i'll just kind of come out on record this thing about michael burry is i don't necessarily disagree with the guy Mm -hmm. that there are like all the data things that i'm looking at i go wait a second so rates are going higher or you know rates are high slated to go higher especially relative to what we've seen in the last two decades basically and then stack on top of that wage
1: inflation gas prices being massive
0: inflation that we've seen after massive dislocation because of the printing of money mm-hmm. right we didn't actually create capital we created money and then we dislocated the value of everything and sort of shook the system up a lot now the ramifications are all pouring through we have cultural issues that are going on we have a lot of headwinds for this economy and yet it persists right it's true and so there's an old joke right that um, the markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent Mm -hmm. So my job, and I've had people ask me about this, is not to make the next remarkable economic call, because that's not what does it. But as an investor, it is to figure out where the opportunities are with the highest probabilities of success Mm -hmm. over the appropriate time horizon. Because this one also gets me, right? If you are not selling today, all you're really getting is a snapshot of psychology, not a snapshot of value.
1: Right. Right.
0: Okay? Listen That's to that powerful. again. We're not just getting a snapshot of value. like We're getting a snapshot of psychology in the markets. And the psychology is who's willing to buy from you or not. Circumstances can drive that too. This is why I don't put a tremendous amount of stock in insider buying and selling. While I don't think it's irrelevant, I don't think that it wags the dog nearly as much as people think because lots of people have reasons for buying and selling in their personal life. And it may not have to do with the health of the company. But people tend to look for data points as if they will make it real but they want it to
1: manifest into reality and that is the
0: nature of mass psychology is that hey all the lemmings are running this direction you go why i don't know but we better go (laughs) and so i'm more concerned about what's the value and the the psychology snapshot when you need to sell Mm -hmm. and if you're patient you can be opportunistic about selling in the in the times when the psychology value is high Right. ultimately, the markets will reflect that and who's willing to buy it and who's willing to sell it. There's a lot of companies that I can't look at the value on paper and make any sense of it, but somebody's willing to pay more, which means the the, the bigger fool theory is in play right now. Mm-hmm. So you could still be profitable because there's a bigger fool than you. Could happen, right? Maybe you're not really a fool. Maybe you're playing everybody else for the fool, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, it's it's just fascinating to me to look at you know what's in the news. And my, my takeaway from this is like so often, the data does not compel the market to do anything.
1: It does not.
0: Right, it's still a snapshot in time of the buying and selling conditionality. Mm-hmm. How many buyers versus how many sellers? And what's right. motivating them in that moment?
1: Right, because I mean, you could go back and argue back in January when we were at low points in the market, um, rates were lower than they are today, and everything's played out kind of how we thought, right? I mean, rates have continued to trickle higher. Yep. Um, things in the economy still haven't like magically fixed themselves yet. We're a lot higher yeah. in the markets today than we were to start the year. Right.
0: And a broken clock will be right twice a day, too. Right. So you yeah. can say, look, we got all these reasons to think, go maybe Michael Burry's right. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe this call is it. And in fact, maybe he's got enough influence or sway over the markets because of a few big calls previously that the Lemmings changed direction.
1: Right. You know, on
0: his call. They could.
1: They really could. You don't know.
0: It's possible. So I I, I don't know per se, but I will tell you there's a lot of structural headwinds, Mm -hmm. a lot of challenges in this market environment and this economy that by no means make it a slam dunk that everything's going higher from here but it also doesn't mean that it won't. Correct. Okay, And that's the key here, and that's why we we still invest with a longer-term time horizon and quality matters. It does. So there you go. So let's talk a little bit about more of these structural problems underpinning this. But,
1: mm,
0: yes, obscene that time profit break first. Let's grab a break, and when we come back, we'll dig into that. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn.
1: And Matt Dixon. Yeah, True Wealth
0: on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Where just a reminder, Matt, how do they get caught up if they miss segment one?
1: Well, you could catch our podcast tomorrow at our website, littlejohnfs.com.
0: All right, so there we go. Podcast and soon to be vlogged as well, so all that coming down the pike here. Uh we are talking about so we the new segment this time. You know, we were we we're talking about what we saw in the news, mm-hmm. but we're going to talk a little bit about what we're not seeing in the news,
1: but okay. is newsworthy to you. Oh, Ooh. this is
0: very newsworthy. It's something that is uh actually really interesting and really important to me because it's such a significant uh issue with Uh, especially with younger folks today. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a structural issue in the marketplace that we cannot ignore. It's also something that I think may be leading us toward some really interesting challenges in the future, okay? Right. The price of housing.
1: I feel like that is on the forefront of a lot of people's conversations right now. Sure. Because we're looking at higher rates we're looking at the cost of homes and we're saying, does it pencil, it was especially a shock, if you don't have right? a home?
0: It was a shock seeing how much uh, prices have continued to rise in spite of much higher rates. And so people mm-hmm. are spending significantly more of their income to get into homes. Well, and, so, and
1: a lot of that is due to inventory concerns, right? Like mm-hmm. there just aren't enough homes. Well, let's talk about all of yeah. this
0: real quick. Let's just talk about the backdrop here and, and some of the data uh, and we're just high leveling this right um there's actually i came across a fantastic video on youtube i was listening to i was i was out uh walking the dog the other day it's mm. kind of a thing that i do now is walk the dog listen to and so it was all about the cost of housing and there was some really interesting things to play one uh the the shrinking or vanishing starter home right, right? this is a real problem because the the, the the starter home, as as sort of defined when this uh, individual was speaking, was about a 1,400-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bath place, mm-hmm. right? And when you start to inflation adjust for things, this was a home that back in the probably 70s was a $50,000 home and was right. pretty common to see built. Uh, we just don't see them anymore. They're mm-hmm. just not being built. and And there's a lot of reasons why, but one of the biggies is, just the cost to put a shovel in the dirt is so high now.
1: Right. They said the average permitting fee I think was around fifty thousand dollars.
0: Well, I know that was specific reference to Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That that Portland, Oregon. You're talking about nearly fifty thousand dollars in permitting fees. Mm-hmm. Average lot price over a hundred thousand dollars now. Mm-hmm. So if you're a hundred and fifty thousand dollars before you can put a nail in a board or a shovel in the dirt. Right. That's a huge. Starting point, right? Because that
1: number that you talked about earlier, when you said about fifty thousand for a starter home back then, that's that's adjusting to today's pricing, right? Like the cost of the land and the house in today's dollars, fifty thousand dollars. Well,
0: that would equate to about a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house if you inflation adjusted. But the median starter home price is between four and six hundred thousand dollars now. And if you look at that as a ratio relative to the total income, it used to be a home was about four times your annual salary. Now it's closer to six Mm -hmm. for 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 the average annual salary for somebody in the country. So right, median income it's it's a little under eighty thousand dollars. So four times eight, right, three hundred twenty thousand dollars should be the starter home value. Yeah. What we're seeing is six times that, four hundred eighty thousand dollars, and that that equates to problems for starters trying to get into the housing market. It's just really, really expensive.
1: Right, and now you couple the rates on top of that and interest rates are just making it really, really difficult. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so that is part of the structural problem here is you go, wait a second, you mean to tell me that interest rates are as high as they've been in practically 20 years, okay? And you're gonna tell me
1: that prices inventory are off.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. is year over year down for for like multi-year low. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're gonna tell me also that people are not moving because they can't afford to move somewhere else. So it's slowing the number of transactions in the real estate market. It's it's a really ugly recipe, especially if you're young in this marketplace, where you're gonna mm-hmm. come in, start at the lower end of the earning curve and houses are disproportionately expensive. Right. And and we are seeing certain markets now where it's just basically impossible. Like I don't know how anybody buys a starter home on a starter salary or any home in California. Like no? the, the homelessness issue is almost obvious when you go, know, Well, who's buying starter homes for a million plus dollars? and you're making 60 grand a year? That's not mechanically possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not making enough if you had zero taxes to pay the mortgage payment right now.
1: All right. So it sounds like we really need to relook at permitting fees if that's one of the largest costs yeah. involved in getting these homes put up. We got to look at you know.
0: Oh, I, I think you have to look at the stru- when I say structurally, like yeah. what are the under what are the underlying causes of this shortage? And I think that it is a cocktail of many things, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not even fully versed in all of this to know. I'm not a developer, but I think permitting is very expensive. I think permitting, a lot of the reason permitting is very expensive is because the budgets of the permitting agencies have also been driven by wage negotiation at a union level, by inflation, by the rising cost of health care and the, the issues that go with that and all the benefits that come with it. And so you have a lot of things that drive.
1: Look how that loops back to money printing. It, it, it you know what all, I mean? Yeah. It, well, it's that all loops back to money printing.
0: It, it's, it's one of the things that I get fired up about is that folks will oversimplify the issue of like, well, we the, it's the idea that federal money's free. Mm -hmm. right no it is not right right all pay for it in the escalation of inflation okay and the the cost of more expensive like more government means more cost of government which means more recovery of cost of government which means more taxes or more fees
1: ah there it is that's the key
0: and so the, the fees are a way to recapture those components. And why are the fees so high? A lot of it comes down to stated price. Like, you know, we just had an insurance claim, mm-hmm. okay? And it was appalling what it cost for uh, some of the risk mitigation that had to come in because there was sewage involved. And so it meant like, oh, like hazmat teams had to come in. And the, the prices that were charged as a matter of course like it was just a line item that insurance companies have to eat. Mm-hmm. Like there's no competitive bid. It's just this is the stated price. And this is what the insurance company pays. So it's what everybody charges. And then everybody will sort of collude later, raise the price. And the insurance company is sort of forced into that scenario again of higher. And guess who pays for that? You. The homeowner. Yeah. The cost of insurance goes up. And so this is a pernicious cycle of everybody looking to get what's theirs.
1: I think this is a really important thing that you're touching on because so many people are like, more regulation, more regulation. And it's like, that comes at a cost.
0: More competition, more transparency in price. Right, Right. that goes back to that capitalist mentality of like. like, like, I would love for somebody to try to call in and explain why prevailing wage is a good idea. mm -hmm. Like, why is it a good idea to use prevailing wage? Because the only thing I've ever heard is, well, because a union environment has a, a, a minimum standard and they would not be competitive against a non-union environment. So we need to do prevailing wage so that we're comparing apples to apples. To which I would say, why would the taxpayer have to pay a premium automatically? Right. Okay. And, and I'm not attacking unions. That, that is a misunderstanding of my position here. I hate it when people do that, too. They're like, oh, you're going after you. No, that's not the point of what I'm doing. Right? I'm going after At a, least a, a, a free market. You just want a free market. Yeah, I want a free market.
1: You just want the ability for a private company to come in and bid it.
0: I want the ability for yeah. the best price to come in. But I also want accountability, because I know what happens is, oh, well, what if somebody comes in, they underbid, they get the contract, and they don't perform?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, I think that there should also be a loss of contract component where somebody else could bid to pick it up. Mm -hmm. And then I think that you should be forbidden from future bid at some point. Like, you have to actually have benchmarks that you stay – this is kind of my issue with defense contractors, right? You can't win the bid and then get a blank check afterwards. Right. Well, right. we bid for this, but we knew it would never happen. And we just took four times as long and spent 10 times as much for an F-35. Like, no, like, that's just not cool. That and, and, you know, you cannot have these pernicious incentives in our system. Anyway, way off the rails here, but it's happening in housing. It's death by a thousand cuts mm-hmm. because everybody protects their little domain rather than what I believe really needs to happen, which is the system needs to be simplified
1: well and it's just destroying insurance companies look at california and florida where insurers are backing out that's a really good sign that there's an issue if the insurance companies can't make money because the value of the home is so extreme that if something happens they lose yeah and they lose to that magnitude that is your key to say we have a problem well
0: and why are they losing it's it has to do with the fact that the cost to rebuild, they can no longer calculate it because it escalates so rapidly. They're mm-hmm. like, "How do we? How do we quantify the risk here?" Right. We can't, and so either they're ins- the local insurance departments say you have to fix your rate, and they're like, "We we can't afford to, so we can't operate here." Because insurance companies have legal obligations to actually be able to pay the, the what they're for insuring for, mm-hmm. right? So they have to be able to actuarially calculate what that'll be, and with price instability, they can't.
1: Well, I think you know. The Maui Fire is a great example of oh, this. This
0: is going to be a calamity for insurance companies.
1: Right, and I actually heard State Farm, and I don't know if this is true, this is just a rumor I heard, but that State Farm was one of the largest insurers in that area, and so they're taking a big, you know, brunt it's, it's very possible. hit of this. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, and so...
1: You look at, you know, I think the average house in that area was over a million dollars, like 1.2 million. And 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 the the, whole place is gone. Lahaina's burnt to the ground.
0: Well, all right, let's just take one quick aside for that point Yeah, because you're right. But here's what people will miss on this one. It doesn't cost like a million dollar home doesn't cost a million dollars to build.
1: It's what, yeah, that's true. Right? You can build because it for a lot less. You can
0: build it for a lot less. The that's land didn't really go good, away. Mm-hmm. right? The problem is now, what if infrastructure is destroyed because it was so hot that it melted stuff underneath the ground? The sewer or wrecked is it? wrecked or something, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah if, sure. If, if there's that kind of damage, now we're talking about really big problems,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
0: But the insurance company could potentially come in and rebuild a million-dollar home for $400,000.
1: Right.
0: But we are talking about Hawaii in a time when how do you keep that the market those are new market forces are going to drive prices there right right it's it's going to be super expensive to get labor it's going to be competitive to get labor
1: and you can't get materials because you're not in a supply chain route so So everything has to be be shipped in
0: super expensive to rebuild for all of those reasons and it's just going to get it's when i say absorbed by the system it's going to get priced into the system it's going to make it that much harder Mm -hmm. these headwinds will ultimately create a real problem in housing
1: right and right? we're already it seen... does not
0: go to infinity no. because once people are out of money they're just out of money and the country cannot say well the one percent will pay for everything like there actually isn't enough money there to do it mm-hmm. right you have to have a thriving middle class and the question is why are why is the middle class getting crushed so hard mm-hmm. and a lot of this is it, it's counterintuitive but the printing of money and the increasing of regulatory burden all contributes to squeezing the middle class yep right it's a, the lack of transparency and the lack of uh competition in the marketplace right if you had th- like 20 times more builders the cost to build goes down what's funny be-
1: is I feel like that's what politicians—that's like the opposite of what politicians are selling today, right? Yeah,
0: there's well, let's roll it all up into a few companies so that they control everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, you know, let's shut down Twitter, so we're what with what even less or whatever's called now. Less competition, yeah. Just yeah, give so give the whole market resources? share to fa- Facebook, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just we we all need to start thinking more about um, governing what. Mm-hmm. And what's what's the intended consequence and what are the unintended consequences? Right. Anyway, sidebar complete. We got to run to our next break. Sorry, oh. I ran long here. Okay. So stick around. We will be right back. Uh, and on the flip side of this one, you'll want to stick around. Matt's got some tips. For how to actually build some wealth. Rather than just talking about the problems of the world, let's talk about how to fix them. That and more when we come back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. Yeah, true wealth. On News radio 939 FM and 1240 KQE. Yeah, don't ask me that, Matt. Okay. <laughs> not, not on air. I don't have any Matt says, Who do you think wins the uh, Democratic uh um, nomination? nomination? Yeah. And it's it's early to tell, but I, I have to believe that. The same reason that they ran Biden in the first place is probably the still still the same reason. It's yeah. like here's like the most vanilla thing you can conjure, mm-hmm. where you can kind of paint a lot of triangulation around him, and um, see if you can't still get the votes. But but honestly, it's an interesting question because it seems like there's this real leaning towards. You know he may really be aging out, and, and we, mm-hmm. we can't avoid the competency gaps that right. appear to be happening. You know, there's just too many times where it's like uh, he's wandering away again, right? And you're you're going okay. The leader of the free world can't just wander away. That mm-hmm. creates trust issues. Yeah, uh, and I think William could really now argue that if that is truly what's going on, then where did the president's it... much more of a figure than an actual person player in anything. the game? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, everybody else is really doing the work. He's just the one that people look at. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, then why Why do we elect people?
1: Right. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: That's so, like, what a cranky way to look at it, right? Yeah. And I don't want to be that guy that's cranky about it. but I think it's it, just
1: it, being realistic.
0: Yeah. I, I think that um, it's it may be a first time in my active memory, but... That he may not get the party nomination because the uh, the age issue may be a very real issue, mm-hmm. and it's not. I don't mean to be ageist or anything else. I just know that the demands of this job as, for an 81 year old, right, who has demonstrably lower energy than he was the last time he was, you know, rallying yeah. for his election, it, it, that that may cause pause. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I can also come out and say, like, without. You know, my politics definitely lean more libertarian and independent than they do mm-hmm. anywhere else, but I fall on the conservative side. That's normal for financial yeah. guys, right? But I'm, I'll am i hear you out. Like, I'm very reasonable about hearing people out, and I want to hear the other side, so I'm not vitriolic about the other team. But I look at this and go, I don't know, man. You guys really want to – you, you going to try to play that card again? Seems like a risky bet.
1: Yeah, I was reading a lot on it, and it sounds like – um the party's starting to shift and they're saying, you know, I think we might not run, run him. Um, Yeah. So it's
0: dangerous because it creates a whole new election here. And right. You are seeing this groundswell. It's kind of this kind of related to what we were talking about last segment, this groundswell of folks that are they're pretty angry with the way the system has basically piled on more and more to the middle class Mm -hmm. and what we get is lip service about oh we're going to do something but nothing really gets done right you know and and the things that do get done once you unpack them you figure out like oh we did the thing they said and then but the thing they said actually what happened wasn't that great Mm -hmm. you know like let's have uh, you know, this healthcare exchange and we're going to, you know, get healthcare for everybody. And then you discover what's well, not really healthcare. It's health sharing because there's no insurance component to it. No pre existing conditions. And we had the most adverse risk class sign up first, which skyrocketed the price up. Right. So oops, Mm-hmm. You know, and and then, you know, we, we eliminated the mandate, which made it even worse because now it actually gets more expensive without a mandate. And then people are like, wait, did you just say that as a conservative? I'm like, I didn't say I like the mandate, but I'm just saying if you don't get everybody to sign up, then it's not insurance. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you get the price down by getting the healthy people in the pool, too? Right. You just created what we call an insurance adverse selection. Right, right. It's it's maybe like, what if we let everybody in Maui that didn't have homeowners insurance buy it now?
1: <laughs> that's a really good example, right? Like, oh, yeah. well, the
0: house already burned down. It's cool. Just go buy insurance, and then we'll rebuild your house for a fraction of what it would cost. Mm-hmm. And and any sane you person paying will be into like, the pool. Whoa, whoa, right. we can't do that. And it's like, of course we can't. Do but that. that's what we're
1: doing with healthcare. It's totally, what
0: we do with healthcare. Yeah. And then, and then what you get is the compassion card they play. Like, well, what about? These are human beings. You can't just do that. and go, no. I, I'm but what get. about the
1: business behind insurance? Like, well, do you want it to cease like, to exist? It,
0: you got to find a better way than. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's why the discussion of Medicare for all is relevant. Even though I would tell everybody, like it's it it wouldn't be Medicare for all at the price we're paying. Mm-hmm. If you tried to get Medicare for all, it would change the system radically. Outcomes are not likely to improve because you're going to d- diminish competition. And you're going to diminish incentive for people to come up with new medical treatments and so forth because there's you know there's no longer profit in it, mm-hmm. and um, you're going to uh, have to put more money into the premiums because you don't just have the non
1: there's, there's you a bunch have people money that are paying to, into
0: it that aren't using it right, right now. You have to have, have enough later. money to
1: pay the stuff out. Yeah, so the claims you know, that come in, you it costs have to a pay a lot it more out. money. So yeah. your,
0: your your personal Medicare tax would go way up. Mm-hmm. Basically, the equivalent of whatever health insurance premiums you're paying now would have to start going in. Right. Okay. It's just Medicare for All is an interesting instrument for forcing everybody in and academically it sounds interesting right now because you would say, well, but Medicare has the most pricing power so they can negotiate the best rates for hospitals. All true, right? But how do you stave off? what ultimately becomes state run medicine where we've seen example after example of state run medicine where the outcomes begin to decline
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the, the quality of care up. goes down and that's
0: the issue is it's like right now we have this very expensive but still relatively decent outcome system it's not perfect right we have some areas with better outcomes than others and you know people with more resources can afford better outcomes kind of thing not perfect
2: mm-hmm.
0: but the alternative would be like everybody gets The same shoe size. I'm like, well, so I don't have to solve. I just know it's not perfect, right? Fair enough. Okay, Matt. Yeah. Tell me something about this. Was your segment right? Yeah. Easy ways or not so easy ways to build wealth. What do you mean?
1: Well, I wanted to. I think this is what everyone really cares about at a at a core level. You want to know ways that you can do better or ways that you can improve your situation. And so I thought that would be a reasonable segment. So. I started thinking about some different ways that, you know, everyone can apply this to their lives. Um, and one of the, th- the things that I came up with today was kind of this mindset of letting go of these limiting beliefs that you have, right? And not everyone has that. Some people, they're instinctually just, you know, I can do this, I can, I can yeah. make my way. Or they're overconfident, I can't fail. Right, <laughs> yeah, there, there's well, the extreme of that as well. <laughs> I can um, fly,
0: I'm gonna jump off this roof. <laughs> right.
1: But I think it's important that we kind of start adopting this abundance mindset that it's possible, right? To get to where you want to be because some people really have this defeatist mindset where it's like ah the odds are stacked yeah. against me, I can't do it. And can,
0: can you ex- like just in a real quick yeah. nutshell when you say abundance, what's the what's the opposite of abundance?
1: Abundance is, you know, this this feeling of doom where I can never buy a house yeah, I can so like never... Scarcity
0: would be is scarcity, the word I would Scarcity, like yeah. The scarcity mentality of like there's not enough to go right. around. I gotta get my piece and protect it because mm-hmm. so there's winners and losers in this game, right? Some yeah, people and have I'm to des- lose for yeah. me to win.
1: Right. And I found an interesting stat that shows that 80% of US millionaires are first generation quote unquote rich. And yeah, that's, in fact,
0: and I think that stat is probably even more true for billionaires.
1: Mm-hmm. So they're not inheriting their wealth, they're building it. And so I, I want to push that out there to say, you can you know a, obtain the lifestyle that you want as long as you're willing to make good decisions, uh, be patient, maybe delay a little bit of gratification and have a mindset that says, I'm going to make it and I'm going to get where I want to go.
0: I like the abundance, the idea that the pie can get bigger. Mm-hmm. Right? And, it, and here's the thing, we have seen this and seen this and seen this, right? The right. economy does grow and- You can add more value, which actually creates more in the economy. Right. Right. So if you increase your skills and your productivity and you can produce more in the same hour, Mm -hmm. you become more valuable to the economy. And if everybody does that, the economy can get bigger. Right. So there there is this ability to grow. It's not a finite amount. You know, there there's only so many diamonds in the world, so we have to fight each other for them. No, you there's actually the ability to create more diamonds in this example.
1: I think you need to be able to self reflect a little bit because there was a study um, by Purdue University that talked about by the age of seven you have established financial habits, which seems crazy, but it's it's a learned behavior often from the people that you're around, and so I think a. A big part of this is being able to step back and and really assess and say, are these habits that I have good habits or not? And if they're not good habits, you have to have the willpower to say, I wanna change, and then taking the steps to change.
0: Yeah, because here's the thing about habits. They can be learned.
1: Mm -hmm. They can, and a high income isn't enough.
0: No, in fact, high income, is. there's no guarantees, and high income means high tax bracket. Right. Right, so that's not the magic. It doesn't hurt, but uh, I think the, the temptation is, the higher my income, the higher my lifestyle. Yeah,
1: you gotta be intentional. Just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean you're gonna be wealthy, because if you spend it at the same rate that you make it, well, congratulations, you're still in the same boat that you started in.
0: Right, you just have a lot, yeah, fancy stuff. Now, maybe you get great experiences, and there's that's a real Gen Z kind of thing it these is. days, is that experiences are a premium over stuff. Mm-hmm. You probably have that right, in my opinion, I, it's, you know, but yeah. there still needs to be a certain amount of stability at the base of the right the pyramid. Because right? if
1: things really start to break and fall apart, guess what? Now you don't have any more experiences at all. You're just toast.
0: Yeah. And, and I just, you know, you can't forego responsibility for all experiences. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't YOLO everything and then have nothing that stabilizes you and expect and then be somebody else's problem. Like, that's the part where it's like, well, I went and had these exotic experiences. Now bail me out. But now I have this other event where I need people to pay for me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, whoa, slow your roll here. For the people that were willing to delay some gratification and build up a certain amount of safety around themselves financially, you're basically saying, well, I got my experience. Screw them.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: that's the same thing about pricing where it's like i will charge as much as i can get away with because it's somebody else's money right or the money from the government's free that's that pervasive attitude that we're not all connected financially
1: correct right? yeah
0: so that's that you know consider for a moment that that's a cultural flaw it is okay hundred like, percent like if, if, if your position is i don't care about anybody else i just need to get what's mine
1: well we'll yeah, eventually okay. just stab each other in the back to infinity and then no one wins no one's alive in the end and yeah
0: the system's really big so statistically hopefully you're a minority and the system will kind of absorb you but it's a shame because you're part of the problem Mm -hmm. right and the more people take on that characteristic the less we're going to be able to solve this problem because you could see with the system bloating and becoming less efficient, right? As, as government has grown, as bureaucracy has grown, this happens in big companies too, right? As that bureaucratic bloat occurs, efficiency declines, and then the margins start to pinch. But the margins never seem to get pinched at the co- corporate level, right? No. It's always the personnel, mm-hmm. right? It's that middle class again that gets pinched. Yeah, And that's the part where I'm just like, eh. So yeah, I think you're right. You gotta start with the right mindset can I frame it in a silly way?
1: Yeah, I'd like that.
0: You got to play chess instead of checkers. Perfect. You're thinking more than one move ahead Mm -hmm. or two moves. You're thinking about dozens of moves and dozens of strategic options, and you need to both play offense and defense at the same time.
1: Yeah. And if you struggle to play chess and you only play checkers, start writing down a list of what your future could look like. It'll force you to put it on paper and really start thinking more than one step ahead.
0: I do love that, right? It starts with having a vision and mm-hmm. then developing a strategy. Right. We know guys that can help. You can call them, but first they have to take an important profit break. I like it. Stick around, everybody. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You're listening to True Wall on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240
1: KQEN. All right, gang,
0: home stretch. Dave Littlejohn and.
1: Matt Dixon. And you
0: got the True Wealth Show. Uh, we had a lot of fun today covering... I mean, I, I think it's been a really interesting ride. We've covered everything from stuff in the news to stuff not in the news, structural issues. We kind of flirted with politics, which I know is a lightning rod, but whatever, I'm going to do it, right? And I love hmm. Jesus, too, so there you go. Now <laughs> I've pissed off everybody. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've, we were talking about, in that last segment we're starting to, to we were just, coalesce around mm-hmm. attitude around wealth building. Right. And you've got a really interesting kind of final thoughts for like, and we got to do this quick, right? Mm-hmm. If you could give an investor like a little advice, yes, what would it be?
1: Okay, first off, invest, don't gamble, right? Some people have this mentality that I just want to double my money real quick or triple my money. The reality is life doesn't really work that way or everyone would be rich, Right. So, investing is for the long run. This isn't Las Vegas. Make your money work for you over the long run. Okay. What do you got for me, David?
0: Well, I think, and we talked about this one at the break too, it is at some point you've got to own accountability mm. in your decisions. Yep. Okay. When it comes to investing, now maybe the decision is to hire somebody else. Ha ha, we know people, right? Mm-hmm. See me after class but maybe it is i just need to make better financial decisions about operating within a budget whatever it is but what i can tell you when it comes to finance is you may be really skilled at shifting the blame to somewhere else mm-hmm. but it won't be effective
1: right you got to really Blaming stop things.
0: you play victim and you know what you still have lousy financial outcomes mm-hmm. so at some point you say if it's going to be it's up to me
1: you got to turn the brain on yeah yeah
0: totally turn the brain on make good decisions okay and maybe that decision this is where you get okay it's the end of the show so shameless plug right good decisions maybe it means that you need to bring in good
1: advice okay? absolutely so there's no shame in that
0: no not there's no shame and there it's no secret while we really try not to promote super hard on this program if you don't have somebody in your world we would at least like to help you migrate that direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, Maybe we're not it, but maybe we can be a resource that gets you where you need to be. Matt, how can somebody reach us?
1: Give us a call at 541-375-0898. You can also text that number. You yep. can email us at info at littlejohnfs.com or just go to the Google machine and type in Little John Financial. Right. You will find us.
0: Exactly, and so do your homework. You've listened to this program, kick the tires, look around in there, but if there's just a question that you have, initial consults are, are free. We do that on purpose, right? We don't want you to feel any pressure. We're not going to try to sell you something. We just want to see if there are challenges and solutions right. that we can Because
1: not everyone's a, a good fit.
0: Yeah and, yeah, and that is okay. But as we like to say, not everybody comes a client, but we can help anybody. So if it needs to be you, give us a call, 541-375-0898. Until then, we are out of time. So thanks, as always, for joining me and
1: have a great rest of your Tuesday yeah
0: I'm Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon and you're listening to the true well show on news radio that.